every battle there comes a time when both sides consider themselves beaten. Then he who continues the attack wins. Ulysses S. Grant. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah. I'm your host. And today we have a special episode. Um, we don't do a whole lot of guests, but I brought one in today. Um, and it's an honor to bring him in, you know, to introduce this man to you. You're going to want to study him because, you know, the person I'm going I'm to bring in, I'm going to talk to you about, he knows what it takes to work from the bottom up. He knows, it's, he knows what it takes to lead. He knows what it takes to work through bad days. And overall, he knows what it takes to win. Okay, the guy that I'm bringing in, he's, he's a former infantry officer. He's an entrepreneur. He holds an MBA from Notre Dame. He's the CEO of The Ugly Company. And actually, recently, he just spoke at the Air Force Academy on business and entrepreneurship. Uh, he's, a, he's an awesome human being. And I actually served with this guy. This I say guy, but he's really a close friend. You know, We've lived together. We've served together. And he's been in my life personally for about a decade now. He's seen my transformation as I've seen his. So I'm excited to welcome, you know, what I consider a very close friend and, you know, a best friend really in a lot of ways. You know, we, we like I said, we've known each other for about a decade and I don't, I'm, I keep my circle small and, and this individual is definitely one of my best friends. So um, I'm excited to bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, Benjamin Moore. Hey everybody. How's it going? Jay, appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm really happy we're, we're finally doing this. We've talked about it for a long time. And I appreciate that heartfelt in, intro as well. I mean, you know, you, you should have just told me you love me. That's what it sounded like you were getting <laughs> at there. So, so I'll say it first. I love you, man. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to hold back my crush. You know, I was like, he's, he's an awesome guy, but I, I'm secretly in love with him. And uh... <laughs> yeah, and now that I got the Rona 20 bod going on, you're even, you're even more a little attracted to me, huh? <laughs> Oh man. Well, Hey, you know, we, we, I'm glad. Yeah. We got the chance to set this up we've tried it a couple of times just because of scheduling and stuff has kind of been all over the place, but, uh, you know, we, we don't do a lot of guests, man. And I do that intentionally because I like to bring people in with real experience and I like to bring people in that are kind of like, you know, they're the bootstrap type like you and I are, and, um, that have real results and you can't really find a lot of people like that. A lot of people are spoon fed out there. They're, have, they've had things handed to them and they, they cry that times have been hard for them, but really, they don't know what that looks like. And uh, so I'm excited to bring you in, you know, and you're, you're a patriot and, you know, you've served. So it's just a great fit and I'm excited to do this. Um, so again, man, just welcome. And uh, let's, let's just dive right in. Let's, let's open up and kind of, if you wouldn't mind, just fill the audience in on, you know, who you are and what your story is. And then I'll get into some questions and guys and gals, as you're listening, I'm going to pull away tactical, practical stuff for you to implement so you can achieve in leadership and performance. We're going to talk about um, it's just, this is going to be free flowing. Okay. So the, it, you're going to actually be taken through kind of a, a surprise journey, but you're going to walk away with practical tools here that are going to help you out. So Ben, because you, would you mind give giving a once over and you know, your story and everything? Yeah, definitely. So I'll, I'll give the 30,000 foot flyover. And if, if there's anything that I think it's important that I miss, just bring me back to it. Uh, so I was born and raised in central California. Uh, Kingsburg is the name of the town. Uh, my family is farmed in California for four generations. And prior to that, uh, we were farmed in Kansas and, you know, wherever else before that. Uh, so got the whole, you know, family farm thing going on. Graduated high school 2008. I went to Azusa Pacific University uh, to play football, which is where I ended up joining Armour ROTC and meeting you, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, I, we graduated 2012 in May. I went straight 
didn't even go to the graduation, went straight to Fort Benning for infantry Bullock. Uh, we were roommates there. And shortly after starting that, right when my career got off the ground, that's when I hurt my back and my leg. And my career kind of recovered, but never fully recovered after that. I got out of the Army in 2015. And so I only served three years on active duty. I personally never really accomplished anything I set out to do. Um, but it was just, you know, it just is what it was. And uh, for me, it was, a, it was a, a really tough, I viewed it as a big time failure. So it was really hard to recover from that. But I, I did, even though it still stings to this day. Uh, when I got out of the Army, I, I drove truck. For about six months, I wanted to learn a skill. Uh, my life plan had always been to be in the Army for 10 or 20 years and then come home and, and farm with my dad on our family farm. But with the expeditious nature of how I got out of the Army, there was really no opportunity to farm with my dad. There was no potential way to have a career. And so I said, well, screw it. I'll, I'll go drive truck. That's the skill that farmers have. So I wanted to go you know, grind the gears on somebody else's truck, learn how to do it. Uh, so I jumped right into hauling heavy hauling bulldozers and excavators and all those oversized loads. It was really another tough time in my life because my life was kind of spinning, I felt like, at that point, but I was trying to still make forward progress. But going from being an infantry lieutenant with a lot of responsibility to being a minimum wage truck driver, it was tough. So six months into that, once I felt like I was a competent driver, I, I quit my job and I bought my own truck and I started my own business. I started uh, leasing raisin vineyards on a, a yearly basis. Uh, but I had this truck and my plan was like, I'm going to finance my farming operation uh, with this truck and like get jobs, whatever. I had no real plan, just total cowboy style. You know, I had 10 grand in the bank and a credit card. And uh, from there, I ended up striking up a job that to this day, I would never be able to replicate that level of success that quickly. I made a lot of money in that first six weeks, like, like a ridiculous amount of money netted. And that propelled me forward from there. Uh, I bought some heavy machinery. I started a, a bulldozing operation with this trucking business and the farming I was doing. was really, really successful. Did that for a few years. Uh, I got, mostly I just got bored. <laughs> you know, th there wasn't that purpose that I felt on a daily basis that I really liked about the Army. Even though I didn't necessarily agree with what the big strategy we were doing in the Army, but I, I still liked the day-to-day, the, -day, the leadership, the personable aspect of that. Uh, and I didn't have that that tug anymore. So I decided I'm going to go back to school and get an MBA. I have a, a business idea that I want to explore to see if it's feasible. And I felt like the best way to do that was to go into an environment where I could learn all these skills that I felt like I was deficient in as, as a leader, whether it's accounting and finance and then those types of things. But I also wanted to, to build a network outside of the blue collar network that I, that I had. Uh, but I also wanted to, to learn how to relate to white collar people and, and be part of that just be part of that people group that I would not have access to by getting an MBA. Uh, so I went and got my MBA at the University of Notre Dame. I started that in 2018. It was a, a two-year program and met just some, some absolutely incredible people there. Schooling, the academics wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I, I still thought they were really valuable. But the main thing was, I mean, I, it was, I was just in this environment where it was very conducive to starting a, a business and uh, and pushing through the initial phase of the difficult, really difficult startup phase of it. So as soon as I got to school, I was still on the fence if this business was going to work or not. But I figured, well, I'll, I'll do the MBA thing and go get a, a corporate internship over the summer while I'm still figuring out how this business thing is going to work. And then the first class I sat down in, it was like a career management class. And I was like, hell no, I'm, I'm not, I can't work for 
for T-Mobile or whatever. Nothing against it. I was like, I, I just, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a redneck cowboy guy. I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I can't, you know, I don't even wear a suit. Like, I, I don't even, have, I'm not, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. So I just went full in, just pulled the trigger, went full in into ugly, you know, did spend a few months doing research. And then I put the, a bunch of money in to get it started and was just all in from there. Never looked back, constantly questioned if I was doing the right thing. And six months after I did that, we had products on shelves. Uh, we got into uh, several, you know, supermarkets and, and chains and stuff very, very expeditiously. And then, uh, you know, hired some people. And, and now this is where I am now we're with the ugly company. And basically what we do there is we take ugly fruit that's getting thrown out at our farms uh, in Central California, and we repurpose it into healthy fruit snacks with no additives or any artificial ingredients or anything that's other than just the fruit. So we've branded it in a really clever way, but the main thing we're trying to do is we're trying to empower consumers to help prevent food waste at our local farms. And we've been, we've had a lot of success so far. There's been a lot of difficulties, but it, things are definitely trending in the right direction. And it's, it's been a total, it's been a battle. It's been really tough, but it's also been, it's been a fun journey uh, to get to where we are now. Yeah. And it's, that's a great once over. I don't think, I think people aren't like truly understanding how big of an impact you're making in the marketplace with the ugly company, how, you know, and I mean, honestly, when I look at your story first is it's a roller coaster, you know, like entrepreneurship is, and, and honestly, it doesn't matter if we're talking about entrepreneurship or we're talking about anywhere where you want to exceed it, you know, succeed at a high level, it's going to be a roller coaster along the way. And so your journey has been a series of ups and downs, highs and lows. And, um, you know, you, you, you're very modest and very humble and rockstar, you know, guys and gals, Ben, ben was a, he was a rock star. He was a rock star in ROTC. And, um, you know, he, he had his sights set on getting to the absolute, you know, apex of his career in the military and life handed him a different set of cards. And, you know, he faced obstacles along the way and he constantly pivoted and he constantly adjusted and he, he went up and he went down and, and then he got into entrepreneurship. And, you know, so I see a guy that's, that's constantly on this roller coaster and has continued to push forward and never quit along the way. And I know you and I both talked about how important that was and briefly touched on it before we started talking today. And so this is a guy that has a no quit attitude, no matter what he's doing and has found a way to push through it all. Um, and I don't think people truly understand how big of an impact you're making in the marketplace with the ugly company. And for you, if you guys missed it, the ugly company, you know what they do They're it's repurposed fruit and it saves, I mean, and talk about the scope of this thing. Like what's the problem, the level of problem you guys are solving in the marketplace and just briefly touch on that and how big of an issue it is. Yeah. So as, as far as the scope of the waste that we deal with, uh, just within a 15 mile radius of where I'm standing right now in Kingsburg, we throw out two to four million pounds of fruit a day at our farms here. Two point so four million pounds. Two two day. to four two to four million pounds. Two to uh, four. and that's a, a generally conservative estimate. You know, there's not necessarily, you know, an academic study that's gonna back me up on that, but with me and the farmers that I know like that we very conclusively have decided on that. Yeah. Uh, even though it's kind of a taboo thing where maybe some people don't want to acknowledge that it's real. It you know, it is real. It's a very difficult reality because as a, you know, as a farmer, hey, you grow your crop all year, you're, you know, you want to take it to harvest, but there's a certain percentage of it, which it's, you know, five to 35% or more sometimes of what's actually getting thrown out. And you're not necessarily trying to draw attention to that because it's not a great thing. And as a, as a farm, you're not equipped to necessarily deal with that to maximize the value of, of your fruit when you're geared towards selling fresh fruit. So it's a, it's a very difficult problem. Uh, there's been some 
some tough things to overcome as far as the perception of, of what we're doing. There's a lot of farmers that really buy into, they see the value and, hey, we're, we were, you know, they used to, I used to get paid to haul this fruit off, which is one reason why, what sparked my idea into it with my trucking company, we would haul this fruit off and, and dump it at dairies or we dump it in, in open fields or whatever for these farmers. So there's some of them that are really bought into the idea of, hey, we, if we can get value for this that currently has negative value for it and we're, our fruit is now going to be eaten by human beings, which is what it's intended to do. This is awesome. But there's also kind of a group that thinks my approach to it is is very wrong. And I'm drawing attention to something that there wasn't as much attention drawn to before I came here. So, you know, I mean, it's just it's just a reality of, of what it is. But the, the beauty of it is that with consumers now, there's people that really actively want to solve these problems and they, and they will put their dollar down to help solve that problem, especially if they're getting a quality product in return. Uh, so the market is very much geared towards it. And the, the more success we have, the more momentum we've gained, the more people and farms we can get behind us um, that, that see the vision and what we're trying to do. Yeah. You guys, you guys are making it. I mean, you guys are making a phenomenal impact. And and what I love is the trajectory and where this thing is going. Just out of curiosity, what's what's one of the highlights for you for the Ugly Company? Is it being in like Whole Foods? Is that one of the highlights for you? Or is what's... What's something that's you're you're really proud of about the company itself? I would say the first time I felt any any sense of pride in what I was doing was probably it was it was it was really almost a year to the day when I started the company when I actually filed our official you know documents with the state and all that. I was on a train going to Chicago to go to fly home for Christmas, and I got an email on my phone from Whole Foods that said, "Here's we have a purchase order," and I was like. I was like, holy shit, that's, you know, eight times the amount of fruit that we've sold so far. And I was like, oh, yeah, and it's got to be delivered by, like, Christmas Eve. And I was like, holy shit, that's three days away. <laughs> I'm, I'm on a train to Chicago, dude. I started I started weeping. I was, like, just sitting on this train like a total tweaker, like, sunglasses on, dude. And I was just, like, crying because I was like, oh, my God, this just got real. You know, I, I finally feel like we've experienced some success. So then I had that very fleeting moment of success. And then 10 seconds later, I was like, all right, let's buckle up. Cause here comes the, here comes the onslaught. Let's go. You know, like <laughs> we can think about it and feel good for 10 seconds and now let's, let's go execute. Yeah. Uh, back, back to work. Yeah. And then it was like, just, you know, a war gaming for a six hour flight slash train ride to get home. I'm just like, okay, here's what we got to do. This guy, okay. This can happen. That how do you even deliver? Where, where do you deliver? I don't even know. So that was, that was a really awesome moment of success. The next, the next moments of success that to me are, are even more important than that, that are more gratifying is when I, uh, see the people I I brought on board and that had the faith to come join the company with me on you know taking a big risk. When I see them accomplish something, that's like the biggest the joy, biggest joy ever. Because first of all, I get to see their growth. Mm-hmm. I know that even if the company if we fail and if you know if things go south and all goes wrong, I know that they'll be better for it having having joined this company. They're you know they're learning a lot and they're really gaining a lot of confidence in themselves. But to see them succeed is kind of like. I really feel like I'm an actual successful leader in those moments when they're, when they sell us into a new, a new chain or when like, you know, we get this huge order and the, the shipment goes out correctly. And it's like, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even touch that myself. It's really a really special feeling. Yeah. And now you're being, you know, and, I mean, your company's doing fucking phenomenal. You got the, you know, this incredible team you're being, you know, recruited to come speak at places like we mentioned, like the air force Academy and, um, 
you know, people with people from the sidelines are like, yeah, overnight success, but it's been a long journey to this point right now. And, um, you know, I kind of want to, I kind of want to go back a little bit, you know, let's, let's, let's go back because it has been a, a roller coaster of a ride. There have been some very high highs and some very low lows. And I know that there's somebody listening right now that's pursuing a dream because, and I know this because I've been through the same exact thing where, you know, you get your sights set on something, you get your hopes up, you start working towards it. Something happens, it knocks you down. You feel like a failure and you want to get back up and get going. And, and those, those moments, man, like those moments are hard. And, um, I think a lot of people gloss over a lot of success stories, gloss over how difficult and challenging those moments can be. And I think it's important that we, we highlight some of the ebbs and flows of your journey so that people can kind of learn from those, those moments, you know, and pull some lessons out of it. I think what we should focus on mostly is your first, maybe your first dream. Okay. What was that first dream for you? And just talk to me, let's just start there. My, my, my first dream for me was I wanted to be a, you know, badass infantry officer and I wanted to go into Ranger Bat or Special Forces or whatever that may be. And uh, up until I got hurt, I had never truly experienced failure. You know, I mean, I felt like I'd been shit hot. I was a great football player, you know, a great GPA everything I put my mind to, I could accomplish, I could accomplish, I could accomplish. So having like invested my whole life up to that point to accomplish this goal, and then it just like spiraling out of control was, was tough. I mean, it was, it was terrible. And it took me years. I mean, I, I would say I'm still getting over that failure. You know, like it still hurts when I think about it. But that was like, that was so hard as a young, a young guy to like, oh, first of all, like your career is toast. But physically, guess what? You can't do stuff you used to do. You know, like you can't go play basketball. You can't when you work, like you hurt your back, like stuff like that, that tough. But I think I, I mean, I'm definitely better for it. And part of me, there, there was the reasons I joined the military for, for patriotic reasons, but also because you're just a young testosterone filled 18 year old. Let's watch like saving private Ryan. You just want to go like <laughs> shoot a bunch of people, you know, like you just want to go like, you just want to go to war because it's the right thing to do. And you've never thought about really why you even want to do that. So cause, I mean, like that period caused me to reflect a lot. on like, well, why, why do I, why did I want to be in the military? And originally it was, it was kind of an outlet for a troubled childhood in, in some ways. But then I, you know, I came to realize what I really like is, is the, the personnel development, the ability to make people's lives better, even if in your own little bubble, whatever that may be through, you know, through leadership. So I really enjoyed the leadership part of it. And now, you know, and I'm kind of a pacifist as well. So I like, wasn't really in agreement with <laughs> what we were doing with the wars and stuff and I, I didn't really see the purpose behind it so it was it got harder for me to even get behind wrapping my mind around those things yeah. um but then anyways after getting out you know i realized like i'm basically now i'm building my own infantry battalion for a purpose that i want to that i want to serve right so so that's really cool and i took all those lessons and all that and, and applied it to that but that was a, i mean that was a tough a tough period the actual in you know being hurt and stuff but then um just the mental anguish that came along with that for years and it's still it still surfaces but yeah i mean that that was that was for sure the, the toughest lowest point of my life yeah and and um you, I, shape that a little bit you know and i mean not, not shape it but i know personally how hard it can be too to with your personality type and a lot of listeners right now, you know, you, you get hyper-focused and very fixated on a specific outcome that you want to achieve. And then life can essentially toss obstacles at you. They're outside of your control. And for yours, it was, you know, an injury. And so what I'm picking up on what you just said was that we are calling it failure, but it's, but 
I don't, it's not necessarily a failure because it caused you to pivot. It caused you to adjust, it caused you to evolve and it got you to where you are now. And if I were to look back at that little leg of the journey, the part that I picked up the most was that, you know, that injury taught you to kind of go inward and you basically search for your why and you search for your purpose and it gave you time that dark time helped you create clarity and what you were going to do next and what you were going to pursue in life. And I think Dwayne Johnson said, it. he said, Hey, the worst thing that ever happened to me in life in my life was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. And uh, he wanted to be a football player, got injured. That was that crushed his dreams. And then he became, you know, he's the highest paid right. movie star in, in the industry. Um, well, for, for me, what I learned more than anything was I learned empathy. Right. I, you know, cause I, I had a few, you know, a lot of ways a troubled childhood and I had never, like I said, never in my life that I'd set my mind to do something and not been able to accomplish it. And so to then experience that, I finally learned like what, what's empathy like when I'm laying here all like twisted up, feeling terrible and nobody cares and nobody can even see. And I was like, I just wish, I just wish people could know how I felt right now. And so I learned to like really, really think about how other people feel and what's like, what's going on and, and how that's affecting them. And it's, it's caused me to be a, a much, a much more, a well-rounded person because yeah, I, I had never even engaged with, with a thought of empathy before. So, yeah, it was very much like, what's your excuse, right? Like, Hey, what's your excuse? Yeah. Just fucking get up and get going. But then you, you're saying that, you know, you learned a little bit of empathy and then probably, you know, it's, it's made you a better leader. Would you say that? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Because all I'm ever really thinking about is other people. <laughs> like I have, okay, there's what this stuff that stresses me out. I need to, I wish I had just enough to not have quite as much of that stress, like a little bit more money or whatever but I, I want to serve. I want to make people's lives better. And you can't do that if you can't understand how they feel and you can't actually empathize with them. Tell me a little bit. I, I want to touch on this briefly. You know, I, I don't want to make the whole podcast about the, you know, your childhood. I want to get to some of the successes and stuff, but I think that would be, I would be failing us if we didn't talk about what that was kind of like for you as a kid and how that's driven you to do what you're doing now. Um, so, you know, you mentioned, childhood was stressful for you by the way my childhood was stressful as well and that's one of the reasons we connect so well I, I had a decent household but like there was some stress okay it was pretty calm you walk in it's kind of like a culture feeling right like you walk into an organization right. you can feel like you go into walmart it's got a certain type of culture you go into i don't know maybe 24-hour fitness or equinox um you go into costco there's a culture there and so tell me a little bit about your childhood and kind of the you know the, the stress there and maybe how that's helped you now yeah, so my first feelings were stress and anxiety <laughs> as a child. My mom is was she's really just a terrible mother. I mean, she's not deep down, she's not a bad person. And her and I are very similar in a lot of ways. And I know she she probably tried her best, uh, but she was a you know pretty abusive, you know, not a good parent at all, right? So all I remember from childhood is bad memories and like parents fighting. I don't have any good memories of, of my mom from that that time. So as a, as especially as a young person, that's a very difficult situation to be in. Uh, my dad was a great parent, you know, very loving in his own way. Uh, worked really hard, but when he's gone to work, which is almost all the time, you're like freaking out at home, you know, like right. <laughs> wondering when the next hurricane's coming. Right. Um, so when they finally got divorced, that was like, oh, that was my biggest dream ever. I was so happy that my mom was out of the house. It was tough because it affected my brothers and I, our relationships with each other. But that, in a ways, has helped me uh, in, a, in a career track-wise to where I am now because I've been working since I was like nine or ten years old. You know, I was always in my, with my dad in the truck. We'd be on the desert harvesting grapes. 
all the men would work at night. And I was like the 10 year old that would wash the harvesters during the day and grease them up and all that. Uh, so I'm super handy with tools, but I've also been able, had that really beautiful experience to, to watch my dad and his businesses to see what he did well and what he, what he failed at to just learn from as, as absorbing as an open book. And when you talked about the journey of, of business and like this kind of success overnight stuff, I've worked in ag my entire life and you know, whether it's the farming side of it or the custom work side of it. So I have a lifetime of experience solving this problem that I finally decided to solve a lifetime of experience, understanding this problem. And so when I finally decided to make a move on it, I could, I could operate lightning fast and really make decisions that nobody else could even understand that could, nobody could keep up with because I've spent my whole childhood working and following my dad around, which, which was really cool. I also went to a, a, a country school where it was like, nobody that's anybody goes to this school because they all just go to the private schools or they go to the, find a way to get you know into the, the nicer school in town or whatever. Uh, but that was really cool because I was like, I was picked on the entire time because I was one of the only gringos in the entire school, you know? Yeah. And so that was a really eye-opening experience. That, that then it was terrible, of course, you know, like getting picked on and getting my backpack stolen and all that and like being the only gringo on the sports bus and, you know, being made fun of because that, whatever. But, but I learned a lot at that time and I, I'm really appreciative that I was able to experience that in the way I did. Do you, do you think the hardship in school, the hardship in your family, it basically embedded you or in, you know helped you create the the no quit attitude that you have do you think that's where it comes from if you had to trace it back i'm not sure you know where that started if it was like a sports thing or just a you know like my dad i mean working with he would he would, he would work himself on the ground because he's like well i got to provide for the family i you know he would never quit on the farm uh which was tough because the farm was it's really hard to be a small family farmer and he just like he would never let it go which was which is really cool. I'm, I'm really glad he's stuck with it, but it's been really hard for him. Yeah. Hard for the family. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not really sure where that started or, or maybe it was just that decision point where I was like at my lowest. And I was like, well, it's either quit or you don't. So you just don't quit at that point. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, a lot of people don't have that, man. A lot of people are very comfortable quitting things. And so when you, when I find somebody like yourself who doesn't quit, who regardless of all circumstances keeps pressing forward, regardless of how many dreams have been smashed in his face and you know, uh, how the, all the trials and tribulations he goes through. I think it's important to like pick up on it, man. And like, like I asked, I try to trace mine one time. I said, dude, where did my no quit attitude come from? And I, I looked back and it was one day I wanted to quit baseball. Um, I was out on the baseball field. I was playing T-ball. Okay. And uh, the coach that we had out there was hitting grounders to us. And he was pissed off at his son who was playing out there on the, on the, on the field. And he was getting aggressive and he started hitting these aggressive grounders. And I had one that popped up and it was a grounder that hit a rock right in front of me and it smashed me right in the face. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Yep. <laughs> classic, like, you know, jerk, jerk move. Right. And, and every, by the way, every single day I'm going to practice, this guy is arguing and being a jerk to his kid. So it's stressful there too. It's not any fun. And then he hits me in the face with a, with a baseball. And I like, I go home and I'm like, mom, I'm like, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I'm like, so-and-so's dad is a jerk. And I'm like, I'm done. I quit. And she she looked at me in the face and she's like, you can quit, but after the season's done. And I was like, you know, I started cursing. I was like, shit, yeah. man. So I, she made me finish it out. And I think that's where it started for me. Um, and over time, it just became more and more built into who I was and then different going through different hardships like yourself, you know, through 
I mean, you got your own physical ones and just things that I went through is just, it just began to become part of my DNA. And now it's almost like you probably can relate to this. You probably wish that you could quit sometimes, right? Like, it's like, it would be nice to be able to quit some things, yeah. but I just physically am incapable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've had that fantasy many times of, I wish I could just quit and be okay with going back to driving truck and, <laughs> you know, not worrying about anybody, you know, other than myself and what I got to take care of at home. But I think you asked me about a, a quote earlier when we were talking before this, like what my favorite quote is. I don't have one because I'm not a big quote guy, but there's a saying and there's probably many versions of it, but it's like hardship is the mother of all innovation or mm. the mother of all ingenuity or, or whatever that the, the term is. And I look at the, the people that I've seen and this is, I don't operate in ultimatum. So it's, it's not at all, you know, say hey, this is facts. This is just what I've seen from my perspective is all I'm trying to say. The people I know that have grown up very comfortably are not nearly as motivated to to make their lives better. You know, they're pretty satisfied with where they're at. They're kind of cool with working, you know, the the job that they've got. They're, you know, they're in a good spot. So maybe why would they want to run themselves into the ground working like we do? But those of us that are super scrappy and you know, and I've I've worked with I work with immigrant laborers all the time. Like those are the people I work with more than anybody, you just see this level of just scrappiness where it's like, I'm going to go home, sleep on the floor. I'm going to wake up at three o'clock. I'm going to be out picking fruit. And then I'm going to go drive forklift at the end of the day somewhere else. And then I'm going to go home, get to bed at 11 PM, sleep on the floor, wake up three. And I'm going to do that seven days a week. It's just like, Jesus, you know? So, so yeah, having seen that and, and lived in that and had my own struggles, you just, it's like, Hey, like I want to, you know, want to make my life better but I want the people's lives around me to be better. And if I ever have a family, I still want, if I had sons, I want them to be tough kind of dickheads like me, but I want them to, I don't want them to have to like fear home, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of how it is for those of us that have grown up in a, a rougher environment. Yeah. Um, the, the pain of, of staying there is just too much. It's like, we, we kind of create this personal conviction of I will never, go backwards. I'm only going to go forwards in life. And I got to get out. I got to climb and do better. And it, and it makes you resourceful too. When you come up with nothing, you know, we, we, we had personally, um, you know, we were on wick for a while. Um, my family was, my dad used to hunt to put food on the table. So, you know, when you come up with those rough upbringings, you learn to be pretty creative and solve problems for, um, with what you have. And over time that gives you an advantage. Yeah. You start experiencing that, that it becomes a skill, right? Yeah. But I also, I don't, also, I don't want to indulge the fantasy of like, oh, you know, I've been more and my life was so rough and I got like, the launch pad that I had was, was greater than 90, 90% of humanity to this point or more. You know, I've, I've been to countries and seen people that have no opportunity and like, that is rough. You know, if I started there, I don't, you know, I wouldn't be half of where I am today. I'd be lucky to be alive, you know? And, and I always like to put things in perspective, right? Because even though my maybe my household situation when I was young was not great and we never had a ton of money, but I always had clothes. You know, we my dad always we always had dinner. We didn't go. We never went on trips. We'd go fishing. You know, right. so and then and having, you know, like I've never taken money from from somebody else. Like you know, my dad's never given me money to go work on business stuff. But if if my loader got stuck and I couldn't get it out, he would come bring his loader and pull me out. Like there's a tremendous value into that. Sure. When I first got going, I had a place to park my truck in his yard. You know, if something broke, I could use his welder before I could afford to buy one. So, so yeah, like I said, you know, even though, okay, I had definitely had hardship 
but everybody has hardship in their own perspective. It's just different depending on how you want to look at it. Cause I, I would think most people throughout history would be, would think my life is very, I was very fortunate to have the launch pad that I did, which, which I did. So absolutely. It's all pain is always relative. Um, it definitely is. And, but yeah, it's good to shape kind of the full picture of who you are today and, and where you kind of come from and I'm picking up some great lessons here, you know, and really what, what I just picked up on that little segment was, you know, for everybody that's listening is the power of perspective. You know, you're, you're, you're somebody that, yeah, maybe you've been through some hard times, but you have a way of framing it. That's very optimistic. And um, it's like, okay, well, I did have these advantages. I had X, Y, and Z. And I don't think a lot of people can do that. So, you know, for somebody that's listening right now is, you know, how do you think about your current situation? Is it, oh, poor, poor, poor me, oh, woe is me type of thing where the world is against you. Um, I can't get what I want. Or is it like, yeah, I come from kind of a rough upbringing, but it wasn't that bad. And I, and I have, it's helped me accomplish X, Y, and Z. So I think that was a really powerful lesson there. But let's, let's go ahead and fast forward, you know, to success, quote unquote, right? Because success is like a moving target, right? Now you're always like, striving for the next thing. It's never really stationary. And, um, you know, we got this, we talked about the childhood. We talked about the military, you know, the dream getting crushed there, kind of being on a soul searching journey. And then we, we combine our passion, our experience. We start working really hard on this company that we believe in. And, um, you know, there's somebody that's listening right now that's going through a similar time where they're they're having some spikes of success. They're having some low moments. And I think I like to say that there's a lot of time in between shots, right? So if you play golf, you know, the funnest part about golf is like teeing off or, you know, hitting the ball at, at the last little putt. But there's a lot of time where you're walking from one, one shot to the next, right? Yeah, you got to look for the ball for 20 minutes, you know, it's, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that in between shots for you, um, between these little spikes of the success and some of the greater ones. And for somebody that's kind of in that, you know, walking from one hole to the next, looking for their ball, what do you think, what are some core couple of things that you think they should do to keep pressing forward? I'll say this in a very hip hypocritical way because I'm not great at doing it, but I know it's, it's the solution is to really be able to live in the moment and appreciate where you are and what you've done to be where you are. Uh, I am very much a person that's, I, I never feel like I'm measuring up to what I could be doing. I'm always like, okay, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. And when I finally have accomplished this huge thing, then I'm good for like 20 minutes or an hour. And I'm kind of like, okay, but now, now I'm anxious because I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I need to do more. Need, you know. So that's the exact situation I'm in right now where we just pushed through summer with the whole fruit season and took, I took some, and it was, you know, during the Rona as well, the Rona season. So that there was, this was a an absolute whirlwind of the last six or eight months of, taking some really tremendous risks uh, that could have sunk the entire operation if they didn't go well. And then once I hauled that last load of fruit in uh, to get processed and I parked the truck and I was like, all right, I'm not moving this truck for six months. And it was just like, wow, that was crazy. Like that was, holy shit. If I had to do that all over again, I don't know if I'd ever be able to do that. That was, that was incredible. And so then I was like, I'm so happy. I'm going to spend this whole next week. I'm basically, you know, I'm going to turn my phone off and I'm going to go work on my house and build, build the wall or whatever I was going to do. And so I go out that Monday morning to go to work at the first thing I go to measure, I measure, and I throw out my back. And I'm laying on the ground like a baby deer, like couldn't get up, you know, <laughs> just, I was like paralyzed. And, and I spent that whole week on my laying on my back, you know, like on the couch. I couldn't, I, I didn't. So I had this whole great week planned out to do all this and, and then I'm just like, I'm crippled again. 
and part of it was like, I think, you know, I get that fight or flight thing. My body finally like let go. Yeah. You need to be working 14 hours a day anymore. And it just had all built up, but then, okay. So I got over that. And then now I'm trying to like appreciate the fact that we accomplished all this. And I, I can now take this time to chill a little bit. The, the people I have working are doing an absolutely incredible job. They don't need me in their hair. They don't need me doing their job for them. So I, I, I should sit back and appreciate what's going on, what's been put in motion. And now, you know, try to enjoy my life. And while I'm, I'm constantly thinking about the future, but I'm doing things that are productive that allow me to think. So that's the number one thing when you have those ebbs and flows is you, you know, you just have to appreciate as best you can, which I'm terrible at it, appreciate life and what you've accomplished, but just enjoy the moment of, of where you are not be too hard on yourself thinking that I, you know, I need to measure up to, I need to go freaking run an Ironman like Solomon or whatever. I'm never going to do that. I don't want to do that. You know? So somebody that wants to start maybe routinely practicing appreciation in their life. Cause I, you know, I'm guilty of the same thing. I look back on my past and I'm like, man, I should have like stopped and smelled the roses a little bit more. Um, I definitely thought I did a decent job of it, but I, I, I know you can always do a better job, especially of appreciating the past. And for a guy that gets hyper-focused on the future, wants to accomplish big things, you know, it's funny because you're spending all this time, like you're going to spend years working towards this outcome that you're building towards. And then you're going to get the little victory, whether it's the message on the train or whether, you know, the email on the train or whether it's something like getting selected the 75th and it's like that high lasts literally minutes and it's taken you fucking <laughs> years to get there, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I think it is really, really important to sit and make sure that you're enjoying the process and, 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 I like to try to systemize things in my life. So for you, what do you do to stop and smell the roses, stop and appreciate the day in the day out while working for something? Is it taking time out to go to the farm? Is it, what do you do to, to kind of routinely do that? Well, you know, I'm, you're much more like regimented disciplined yeah. in your own way than I am. I'm a cowboy. So I, you know, I'm a gunslinger. So I'm, I'm I don't buy into all the, the methodologies and the quotes and the, the motivational stuff. It drives me nuts. So what I, do myself i constantly have to be building something i'm building a house right now because i have an outlet when i'm not working non-stop i have something i wake up for early and i'm gonna go build i'm gonna go build this house and i want to drive every nail myself i want to do all of it myself and i want to learn all these things if i was instead of building this house and like sitting at home watching tv or something i would i would be an anxious wreck you know because it's just not it's just not my personality so, so like I said, I mean, it, I don't know if that's just a product of 2020 with social media and all the access to information that we have, but you feel like there's this, these expectations that you can live up to and you can crack this code by following what this person does, whatever. So, so I would say everybody, you just have to, you have to develop the best understanding about yourself that you can um, and be, and just be very aware because like when we went to that conference last November, I think it was a little bit over a year ago. Yeah. I was like, I was just, I am fired up. I'm writing stuff down. I'm going to, I'm going to do all these techniques. I'm going to write in my journal every day. I'm going to like list out things, whatever. And I went so hard for that first six weeks. You know, like I was sleeping like three hours a night. I was just waking up, working out, uh, working, not socializing, not like not drinking, nothing, just working until midnight. And then waking up, working out and just going crazy, like doing pushups in the, in the snow. Like, I don't even care, you know, just whatever. Just I'm trying to just, just fuck myself up right now and, and be hard. Yeah. And uh, 
I ended up, I literally, I got a headache that lasted almost too much straight. Like I've never physically felt that terrible in my life. It, you know, I don't know what exactly happened there. If it was somehow that, you know, the stress of all the things I'm doing, if I was pushing myself too hard, but I never relaxed. I would lay in bed. My heart would just, would just be, would be beating 10 billion beats a minute. And I would be like having anxiety attacks in bed, feeling terrible. And one of the main problems I had when I was living out in Indiana in school was physically I had nothing to work on. Yeah. Granted, it's negative 20 degrees outside and it's snow and it's not like California where you can go on your t-shirt in January. But I, I didn't have any, there was no car. I didn't have a car to work on. I, didn't, I wasn't going to build on my house. It was a rental. Uh, I would do some projects in my basement, but I didn't have any of my tools. And so, like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big welder and uh, I like fabricating things. I like, you know, working on engines and do all these other things that for me, I physically have to be doing something and building something. And that's like my outlet. And that's what helps me think as yeah. well. That's what helps me strategize for the future um, and, and be creative and have a vision. And then I feel good. You know, I, I feel good about myself. I can look at something, even though like I still get pissed off because it's not perfect looking ever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it really helps me cope with uh, with all that stuff. Yeah. So the outlet doesn't matter. It's about what you're saying to summarize is kind of go internal, figure out what processes or whatever your activity you want to do. That's going to bring you peace and bring you appreciation. Give you, give yourself some thinking time and you know, we're, we're yin and yang essentially, you know, you're very, like you said, cowboy gunslinger. I'm going to kind of do a logical unconventional type of way. And I'm very like regimented. Cause I, if I don't have structure, I'm, I'm fucking flapping in the wind. So I'm like, I want to systemize everything and not think about it. And so, you know, for me, when I, to appreciate the process, my runs are exactly what you're talking about for building. I go out and I literally no headphones. I'll go on one, two hour run every single day or most of the days of the week. And I'm literally problem solving what is the biggest challenge in my business? How can I fix it? Or where am I going as an individual and how do I fix that? And so that's me building just like you're doing. And it's, it's, it's interesting that we are kind of polar opposites in ways, but we have our own ways of doing the same exact thing routinely um, in our own, in our own ways there. And, and yeah. for, somebody, for somebody that's going to, you know, mirror this is, this is great that we're kind of complimenting each other that way, because I think there's too many people out there that look for like the, like you mentioned the quote unquote secret, right? Do this and unlock this. I fuck, excuse my language, but I hate that shit. And um, really what you need to do, as somebody who wants to win in life is you take all these different things around you and you build yourself like a martial artist would, you know, you do what makes sense. That's like the common thread or the core ingredient is common sense. You just need to do like use common sense to build yourself into a martial artist, which means taking a little bit of karate, taking a little bit of jujitsu, whatever it is, and turn yourself into a holistic human being that can get the outcome that you're working towards by whatever means possible. Right. So that's kind of pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the, the thread there is yes, you appreciate yourself, spend time understanding yourself, but don't hold yourself to whatever world standard somebody else is setting forth. Yeah. And, you know, because I mean, I've, I've been very, very successful doing things that people would think I'm insane for doing. Like what, what college graduate infantry officer goes and drives truck, <laughs> like everybody in the world would say that's a stupid thing to do. And everybody did. Everybody made fun of me. But it's like, but I can also do all, you know, now I can, I can, the business that we have now is built on the fact that we can actually solve this logistical problem that nobody even sees. They think it's, a, it's an assumption. It's just assumed, oh, well, you know, like, oh, it's, yeah, well, it's ugly fruit, whatever, just like process it. It should be fine, right? It's like, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a tremendous logistical problem that nobody's really been able to pin down fully effectively. And on top of all that, we have to have a product and a brand that people will actually pay for. 
but you have to solve all these crazy problems that have kept people from doing it. And we wouldn't be able to do that nearly as effectively if I hadn't very taken a very unconventional route to learn some skills that I thought were valuable when everybody else would be like, those are stupid. Those, are, those skills are commodities. And it's like, well, it's part of my vision. It's not, you know? Yeah. And, and what you did, you know, you put yourself in the fight, essentially, you got yourself to get your hands dirty. And what that did is it, it taught you, it helped you increase your context, your understanding of the systems and the processes. And I think this is one of the biggest failures of leaders in organizations is that they start climbing and then they start paying people to solve those problems that they think are below them. And there's so much value in being able to understand like what data is going into the Excel document or whatever it is that you're managing as a human being, like getting in the truck and driving it, like it increases your context. And I know for, for me as a, like as an infantry officer, that was really important to me as, as I shifted to becoming a company commander is I, I have to be involved with the guys, man. I got to be on the ground from time to time, not all the time, because that's a trap as well, right? Like we want, that's where we naturally want to be. We want to be doing that right. shit because it's a little bit funner. So we got to constantly move ourselves and kind of there's this balance between where we should be and shouldn't be. Um, and I think that was very beautifully put is that, you know, don't be afraid to do like the $10 an hour or $5 an hour problem to increase your context. And that helps you increase your bottom line by seven, eight figures, you know, and I think that's a huge leadership lesson, no matter if you're in a corporate structure and you're a leader there or, or you're in the military or whatever priceless point that you just hammered home there. Yeah. And well, that, and that's the, that's the basis of being an infantry officer is learning all the fundamental skills, knowing that I'm never going to be as good of a saw gunner as the 19 year old that carries that for two years. Right. You know, I'm never going to be able to take that thing down like him and do all that, but I, but I can, you know, I can use it, put it together, shoot it. I, I got it. I've carried on patrols. I know what it feels like to carry this dumbass heavy thing so I can effectively lead that part of this equation. So that's, that's really important to me. And a lot of people want to skip over that. And I've seen that, especially, especially in MBA school, where we have a lot of, uh, a lot of motivated, smart people that are really good people, you know, for the most part. And, you know, especially at Notre Dame, it draws a certain crowd that's, that really thinks beyond themselves. But I'm the, you know, I'm one of the only people that I've ever met in an MBA program that can do all these listed skills that I have, whether like, you know, with farming, I can do every single part of this operation. Yeah. I can weld, I can, you know, I can change the brakes on the truck. I can do all these things that nobody would even think are, are valuable. And for me, most people, they aren't. But for me, it's, it's made me into a very, very well-rounded person that has a whole different perspective on, on business than just than every single, I've, I've never met and i'm not trying to put my own tires here but it's a fact i've never met somebody that has the same skill set that i do not even close from from the whole well-rounded perspective of it and for me it's been uh, incredibly valuable and, and you look at the business that we're in you know what, what i'm doing with ugly fruit is not i'm not the first person that's had an idea and tried to solve this problem i've seen people my whole life try and do stuff with their their ugly fruit that's getting tossed out uh, and it all, and it for the most part has always fallen flat for one reason or another. But now it's like with Whole Foods, we just got an article published on us that we're one of the tr the, the trends for the next upcoming year. You know, upcycled produce, and we're fe you know one of the featured products on it. Well, two years ago, upcycled wasn't even a word that people used. So, with any market that's successful or growing, you're going to have more people jump into it. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've I've heard say like. Oh, you should get into growing marijuana. Like that's gonna be great. And I was like, that would be great if I had done that six years ago. <laughs> you know, everybody thinks that's great, so it's probably not great anymore. You know, it's yeah. gonna work at the margins, guy. Right? But now, you know, as we experience success in our company, other companies are also going to join this 
market and want to be part of it, which is great because you're building an industry and like a whole purpose is to prevent food waste. So the more attention it gets, the more people that join it, the better. Yeah. But what separates our company from every other company that comes in and the core of it is that yeah, I'm actually a farmer. This is actually the life that I live. I'm not, you know, there's the classic example of you get a team of MBAs that goes to Africa to go like solve AIDS, right? Like in a week. Yeah. So you get all these people that aren't actually involved in the problem. They don't really understand the problem, but they want to be part of the solution. Maybe they help, maybe they don't. But, you know, there's there's products on the shelves for other other brands right now that like I've, I'm the one that has sourced those peaches from the field and brought them, took them to the processor, sold them to the processor. And they're now in their products and they have no idea that I was the one that did that. Yeah. Because they're uh, whatever, whether it's a, a, a corporate operation owns it or a, another upstart of some kind. Um, they've got the, the funding behind it. They've got a cool brand or whatever, but they're not in any way, you know, based on Chicago, they're not intimately connected to the farm at all, whereas I am. And so that, that's a, with the people that work for me, they're bought into it because we're all from central California. I mean, this is, this is ground zero of, of the issue we're trying to solve. And if I had, didn't have all these skills, the, the company wouldn't work in my vision. It would just, to me, it would just be another company that wants to set out to do good, but it's like, are you authentically really doing good? Are you, do you really know what you're trying to solve? Are you creating more problems than you're trying to do? And our message will prevail because it's, it's very genuine, you know, and you can't throw money at a problem and expect it to be genuine, you know? So. Yeah. And as a result, your team respects you. The people around you respect you. The people that know about your business, like right now in the world, people are learning about businesses and, and, the world is almost, it's very transparent, so to speak, in terms of business, because you start one, people want to know like, hey, who's behind this, right? And um, when they start finding out about you, it's like, okay, automatic respect. And then that creates loyalty and they want to be a part of it. They want to be behind you. And um, because you've done all that, you guys are, like you mentioned, you, you are spearheading the market. Leading essentially means going first, okay? And that's what you guys are doing. And you're going first in this industry while others have tried and failed. You know, you've done it, built it up from the bottom up. And um, you're, you carry the heaviest load and now the other people are going to come in behind. And that is how leadership works. You know, I, I try to mention that leadership is about you. You lead yourself and then others follow. And you guys have done that. You've done that as an individual and you've done that as a company. And, and yeah. I want to I just like one more part about that last you know, segment there. And that's uh, like leaders are listening right now. And there's a guy that maybe he's a company first sergeant on active duty. Maybe he's in the SFAB. All right. And he's like kind of a cush not cush, but like a uh, um, autonomous job where he gets to do what he wants to do. And the higher you go as an individual, mid-management to higher management, whatever, you, you always, you have to consistently, if you want to be a great leader and you want to keep your, your career building or your company building, you have to get back into the weeds. You have to get back into the fight over and over and over again. And you can't be afraid to get your hands dirty because if you don't, that, that's like the foundation of the whole thing. You know, and so if you're not building that foundation over and over again, the whole thing is going to crumble or you're going to lose respect from the people around you. Right. Um, so I don't yeah. know. I got fired up on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, so I, I would like to say two things based on that. But the first thing you said, hey, we're the first, even though people have come before us, we're the first that are doing it. There, there was a lot of a lot of things that have happened before us that have paved the way for us to be successful now, even like legitimately we have paved roads to haul fruit on, which a lot of countries don't like, OK, that's. <laughs> That's a big deal. You know, yeah. there's a lot of success that people have happened that we've, we've been able to build at this point that I, you know, have, have had no contribution to. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I also witnessed other companies trying 
things like this and learn from them. And, and they, they certainly did things before me, before I came along. Sure. So I, w- I would say just to clarify, we're the first to do it in our specific way, um, which, which I, has been very successful and I believe will continue to be very successful because of the, the genuine nature of it. But, but by no means do I want to pump my tires and, and say, like, oh, I'm a first mover that's ever <laughs> done any of this. So it's like, no, there's, you know. Well, that's, that, that's the humility coming. I, but I know what you mean. You know, Kobe Bryant, he became Kobe Bryant because he studied Michael Jordan. Right. right? And there was, because there was an NBA to play in. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Like there's a whole team around it, but you know, you know, I'm just trying to give credit where credit's yeah. due and you guys are doing a phenomenal job and I'm, I'm not trying to make it into like, we found the Holy grail of business and like, this is, yeah. this, <laughs> but I am saying, you know, you guys are going first in a lot of ways. Um, but I appreciate the, the clarification there. And, yeah. Uh, humility. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. And what, what was, what was the context of this fam? Um, where the autonomous, I can't remember exactly what the, the context of your statement was. Uh, so, you know, individuals that are building teams, building companies, I think a lot of times they oh, get um, your hands dirty and they stop. The getting their, yeah, they yeah. stop getting their hands dirty. And they kind of like and especially if you're a first sergeant where you have a lot of autonomy, it's not required for you to get your hands back dirty. And I think the point that you pointed out was that, you know, you got to go back from time to time and you got to get your hands dirty and be at the ground of everything. And if you want to continue yeah. successful well, and, and that in, in itself, there's probably you could maybe funnel it into two different types of leaders or two different personalities. We have people like us that are kind of quote unquote, Joe lovers. We would rather be in the shit than not in the shit. You know, we would much rather be in the field and like, you know, bounding than doing paperwork, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. so where we would, where we're more inclined to fail is by being way too involved in the, in that side of it. True. Um, but then the other side of it is, is the people that don't, want to get into that at all so so i think that the real solution there depending on your personality type and who you are and how you got to where you are it's it's finding that balance and that balance is is evolutionary on a daily basis sure and it's a very uh for people like us that were you know we're we're trying to perform very highly uh that's a very anxious thing right where it's like what is the balance am i doing it right am i am i like working too hard in the field am i am i not doing enough and and it's a constant battle. And that's where that, that self-awareness is, is the most important part of it. Like I was saying, to really know where you are as a person and what you're doing, but also somehow being able to be okay with the fact that you're not operating at hundred percent efficiency and you're not perfect every day at all times. So. Yeah. You're basically describing the difference between the infantry officer who wants to be a couple bounds behind the lead assault element and the infantry officer that wants to be at the support by fire. And he, because he has a better strategic overview of the entire operation. So you kind of right. have to figure out every day is a different mission. Maybe you want to be the support by fire one day. Maybe you need to be closer to the, the lead element. And uh, that presence, the, the balance in that presence is kind of going to, it's going to be ever changing. Um, right. It's going to continue to evolve as you go. Right. And exactly. Like you and I always want to be in the hardest, most difficult spot at all times by default. Because that, but it's like, well, that's what we're comfortable with, even though it's miserable. So yes, yeah, so yeah, exactly. You got to be able to acknowledge when, when do I pull back and I observe this from the hill and let my people do their work and then just be okay shooting your pants, watching it, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and learning as it goes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That part right there. Um, just like watching the chaos happen and not having any control and just being like, oh my gosh, I hope this plays out. <laughs> yeah. I, I will tell you another, another quick story. It's kind of a segue back to what we talked about earlier, but it was like a moment of success. Last summer, so summer 2019, 
that was the first summer we had our products in the store. At that point, I was the only employee in the company. I was the only one working. And I spent all summer, whether, well, actually there was another person I had hired, but it was, it was through my, through Big Ben Farm. So I was getting that going again. So one side of me, we're hauling fruit and I'm trying to build out the supply chain side of it, but just build these relationships with farmers and haul their fruit, make some money on the side to keep the company going, but to really get a very thorough understanding of, of hauling stone fruit, because my family, we don't, we don't farm stone fruit anymore. We've always farmed uh, raisins and wine grapes for the most part. So we stopped doing stone fruit when I was a kid. So I wasn't current on, on how all that works. There's a lot that's changed with, with the systems they use and the technology and stuff. So I really wanted to get a good, a good feeling for all this. Right. So anyway, so last summer I spent part of it basically starting two businesses. One is, is custom hauling fruit for farmers with a, a whole new type of trailer. I never used before using a curtain van and, and all this uh, hauling totes, which I'd never done before. So there's that whole side of it to learn. I hired a guy, but he was also had commitments with his kids, you know, cause his wife worked, so he couldn't work all the time. So I would usually go haul the first load of the day at starting at six. And then he would come get the truck and then I would go, you know, back to my, the actual ugly work of, you know, trying to sell fruit in stores. So it was, it was about as busy and stressful a summer as you could be. Cause I'm trying to run two businesses, make them work. But then I'm also like trying to sell products that I've never sold consumer packaged goods before. Don't know anything about it. So I'm trying to figure out this entire business side of it, but at the same time that needs to be successful. And I, and I hated, hated doing that side of it. I hated standing in the grocery store trying to convince people to like buy fruit. Yeah. It was, it was just the most, mis- I just hate it. Like I, I like talking to people, but I'm not, I don't like trying to say, Hey, look at this product. And I'm literally just standing there like, Oh my God, I'm miserable. And I'm like sleeping outside the grocery store in the van, like in the alley overnight. It, you know, I'm not trying to spend on a hotel. And I was, I was so miserable and to top it all off, I was, you know, I was working like in the neighborhoods of a girl I had dated before who I like, you know, I thought we were getting married. I thought this was gonna be like the greatest thing ever, but I ended up you know, breaking up with her cause it wasn't going to happen. And that, and then, then I was like a year later, right down. I was like, Oh God. So I'm like now sleeping in this van <laughs> down the street from my ex-girlfriend. Down the street from I was like, I'm the biggest loser on the planet. Like, what am I doing? And so that summer, I was that was the most wound up I have ever been with all things going on. And so I ended up hiring a couple people and they, uh, you know, one of them didn't work out, but one of them who still works for us now, I mean, she's an absolute, absolute badass. She's incredible. So when she, we finally agreed on the terms she was going to come on, she okay, put her two weeks notice. And I only had like a week to train her up before I left because then I went back to school, went back to, you know, I had to go back to Indiana to, to resume uh, studies and stuff. And so I spent that first week like training up, hey, here's here's all the operations, here's how you you know approach stores. And I don't even really know what I'm doing because I don't really I'm not like great at it, but I'm trying to like, here's here's what I've learned and now you can go. Yeah. <laughs> the first place that we went to, the first engagement we had, it was there was a new coffee shop in this chain opening up and we they invited us to come, you know, promote the product and like kind of build some hype for this new opening in downtown LA. So I I, I didn't I didn't even know the store. So I, I dropped her off at like seven in the morning. I was like, okay, that's, I think that's the building. Go in there, like recon it. I'm going to go find somewhere to park the van. So I go like park the van and like the, and it's too tall to fit in any of the parking garages. So I like <laughs> parked where the trucks were like in the loading dock. Yeah. She texts me. She's like, Hey, do you have a bandaid? I'm like, Oh God, Uh-oh. do you have a bandaid? This is not good. And all I have, I have tourniquets, 
I have trauma bandages. <laughs> I, have every, I don't have a band aid, you know, but I've got, I've got like the full, like you get shot. I got the, yeah, yeah, yeah got I got the IV. bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got the bag for that, but I don't have like a band aid, you know? And so she comes, she comes walking in the back of the van and her nose is like just bleeding like crazy. I'm like, oh shit, like did she get jumped? Like what? Yeah. Oh my God. You know, this is like day one of work, you know? <laughs> and, and so they had just opened this coffee shop and there was a, a glass wall that went from the floor to the ceiling. That was like it, it, you know, they just put it in. It's perfectly clean. She walked full speed into this into this glass wall and busted her nose. <laughs> and, oh, that uh, poor lady. <laughs> oh, but but you know what? Like to her credit, I mean, just like a like a true soldier, she yeah. just got her makeup bag and like stuck some yeah. coagulant in there. Like I don't know what's in makeup, but it seems that it's a good coagulant, I guess. Roger and that. Just, yeah, Roger, just co- covered up. Had a divot in her nose and just like learned to sell fruit. And so that whole week, so I you know trained her up. She just battled through it as as good or better than anybody you could ever ask would yeah, ever she, do in that situation. She got, she got knighted. She's like, you are approved. Yeah. You, you yeah. continue, Roger yeah. that continue mission, Charlie, Mike, you are fucking yeah. good to go. This brand new window had a, her face print in it the whole time, you know? Oh, like, poor lady. Um, and so, so the summer culminates, if that's the word it, it ends with, I dropped her off at a store that we were doing a, a demo in and my truck driver was taking my truck to an auction on the other side of LA down, you know, like East of, you know, uh, kind of sort of by San Bernardino. Okay. And the, I had to sell this truck because it was no longer compliant with California emissions stuff, even though it was a beautiful truck. I don't get me started on that, but I understand, you know, anyways, I, I love that truck. So it still hurts, but so he was taking that truck down to the auction to drop it off. I was going to pick him up, take him to, um, he was going to take me to the airport. I was flying back to Indiana and then he went to go pick her up at the store, which is on the demo and take her home. So it's one of those things like there's a lot going on right now and yeah. all the kind of needs to line up. But it, that was literally the last thing I'm doing this summer before now my hands are off and now, you know, these people are, are now running the business for me and I'm like facilitating it. And so right after I dropped her off, I got an I-10 and I was heading east and uh, I stopped and got gas. I was like, oh, dude, I feel terrible. Like, what's wrong with me? I, you know, I just feel like I feel like a food poison or something. So I pulled on the side of the road and I, w- I just started puking. And it wasn't like there was no food in me because I hadn't eaten breakfast. It was just like whatever water, I guess. Yeah. And I was just like shaking. I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? There's no, I don't understand what's wrong with me right now because I'm not, not sick. Yeah. And, and I realized I was like, dude, like that, that was the, the biggest relief of stress. That was like a huge victory. Yeah. She's now taking the reins. You know, I'm going to go pick up my guy and he's going to drop me off at the airport. And I was just like, holy shit, that four months of working seven days a week, nonstop and being the most miserable I've ever been is now it's now over that. And now the play is going to run itself. Yeah. It was the moment that you just got hit. Like, Holy shit. I'm in business. Like, like, yeah. like the realization of, of, uh, the, it was the payoff. It was the payoff. And it's funny that it came with a kind of a sickening feeling. Oh, it was just the worst. <laughs> it was the worst feeling ever. But then it was just kind of like, I was just so weird. But then I was on that plane. I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> I can just go like, <laughs> Go chill. And I get, I got back to Indiana and my, you know, got to my garage, my Jeep, the battery's dead, of course. Right. Cause it's been sitting there all summer. <laughs> so then I had to go like fix that, but yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, a great, it was a really great feeling to have done that and then enjoyed it. But then at the same time, I was like, well, now this has got to go well. Yeah. She might quit tomorrow. Cause I've, I've really, she's in a really tough situation, you know? So, well, that's uh, that, that's that spike that we talked about the ebbs and flows of winning and success and the times, you know, in between shot, like you basically, you got there, you got the little spike of success and now it's kind of back into the ebb and flow of, okay, 
now I'm now I'm moving to the next one. So what's next? And, um, dude, talk about mentally taxing. You know, I don't think people truly like people in the world don't truly understand the journey of somebody that wants to succeed at a high level because of like, literally, man, we're talking about peaks and valleys, this whole journey, the whole life. And I think over time you, you get a little bit desensitized to the ups and downs, but there's all, they're always new, right? It's always uncharted territory that you're experiencing. And so they almost hit you exactly the same, but at least to some degree you become familiar with them and you're like, okay, I've been through worse. That's like one of my, my mantras for myself, dude, I've been through worse, man. Like no matter what you hand me, man, I've been through worse. Trust me. And, uh, most, most people have, and I know that going through those though, continuously, those, those peaks, those valleys, um, can be very mentally taxing. And, um, you know, we we talked about with the conference, like we came, you and I attended a conference together at the back end. You had those, those headaches that last you, you know, weeks. And, um, it was crippling. So I think we would be, you know, failing is, is, um, I would be failing if we didn't talk a little bit about mental strength, mental health, mental fitness, and, and making sure that somebody that's going through these highs and lows of achievement, that they're staying mentally healthy along the way. You know, um, you and I talked briefly about that, but you want to kind of just touch on the importance from your lens of mental health and kind of some things that maybe you wish you would have done along the way. Yeah, definitely. So, so th- I'm really glad we're talking about this because that's something that I think is often glossed over. Obviously, you see, oh, success, and and outwardly, I think most people think I'm I'm pretty well put together and confident, whatever, because that's that's the image I'm trying to project. But but like I said, I mean, I've spent more nights, especially in the first early years of it, you know, like just in bed, like barely able to breathe, feeling horrible, and just like lonely and terrible and uh and as stressed as a human being could be i can't enjoy food doesn't taste good like just absolutely miserable but i you know i always looked at it as it's a delayed gratification of i'm trying to achieve something that i'm I'm going to see has has given me purpose in life and that's you know and i'm going to get there if i don't quit so i just know that no matter what i just got to battle through all this but it's very i mean there's no easy there's no answer to it because you may, maybe there's other, I don't know, maybe I guess other people can handle it in a, in a better way than I do, but I always just run myself as hard as possible. You know, I have, I'll freak out, have a bad time and then I'll recover and go harder and harder, you know, so there might be a better balance for that, but, but it's one of those things like there's no, there's no replacement for suffering when that's what is required to mm. accomplish something great. It's like, if I was, if I didn't suffer as hard as I did, then I wouldn't have got as much done. So maybe there was a way to optimize it and be more efficient and try and really try and you know pull back before things get too bad or before you know I'm cry myself to sleep or whatever. But I mean that's you know that's that's my personality. That's that's how I am, and so I don't. I'm sure I could continue to improve on it, but but I'm still on this cycle. You know, I I kind of look at the cycle of good days versus bad days. I used to be in this cycle of six days of being totally miserable for like that half day of just joy. Of like something goes well and I just I feel great like the sun's brighter you know it's just this is just I feel like we're going the right direction and I would try and cherish that as much as possible but I would know like okay tomorrow I'm sure I'm gonna be an anxious mess again but now I'm much more in the cycle where it's like I'm much more 60 40 enjoying things versus feeling like everything that the world is closing on around me and like we're so deep in this battle that you know we're gonna get shot from all directions at any given moment right so that's part of the the journey I think and uh but like I said, I mean, you know, you, you have to suffer because you have to, 
it's like with a, a great, I would imagine a great boxer or a great football player, or even like when you're trying to train to, you know, I'm trying to clean 300 pounds or whatever. You, you have to hit this point of suffering where you fail and you come back and you feel like shit and then boom, you try it again. And maybe you're worse or maybe you're better, but you're constantly trying to uh, condition yourself for a new threshold of pain and a new threshold for being able to accomplish something. So, so I don't know that, you know, from my perspective, I don't know if you can replace all that anguish with a better system because you have to, you know, you gotta, you gotta battle through it. You know, as a boxer, if you're not suffering, you're not working hard enough, probably, you know, and maybe you work too hard to where you overdo yourself or maybe you don't, but I feel like those of us that are not, so naturally talented at any one given thing that we're trying to, you know, I, the most successful people probably are not the most talented people. It's the people that are talented enough and work the hardest mm-hmm. um, that can suffer the most and not quit. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. And especially, especially in, in my MBA program, there was probably, I don't know, six or eight of us that, or even more that were trying to start a business or whatever, or, and my thing was like, well, I'm all in. So I already have that over everybody. I'm not diddling around with some corporate internship, whatever. I mean, every financial situation is different, I guess. But sure. I'm all in. I've been all in from day one. So I have that going for me. So even if I'm maybe not as talented as somebody else, I'm pushing harder and I'm making up for it and exceeding that. But after we graduated, you know, you look at everybody that was staring down the gun of making 120 grand a year working for, you know, Kellogg's or whatever it may be versus me who's sleeping on the floor with no money because all my money is invested in what I'm doing. I think there, I don't know, there might've been one other person that, that ran the course and, and stuck with what they're doing. I'm not sure. I'm not, I haven't talked to him a while, so I'm not sure exactly where he's at with it. Yeah. But everybody else just kind of shit the bed and, and gave up on it. Most of them before they even got out of the starting blocks because yeah. they just weren't, you know, they just weren't willing to suffer enough and, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe that wasn't what they, that wasn't them, you know? not if you're wanting to run a business and stuff, maybe that isn't for you. There's this romantic view of, of um, all of this, but maybe that's, maybe that is not what your calling is for. And you're trying to live up to some expectation because it's been romanticized around it. But business is not for everybody. You know, there's some, some people that's like, if I, if I had a family and kids, I would not be able to do what I'm doing now because I can risk everything knowing all I really have to do is be able to feed myself. And even that, like I just eat taco truck, it's not very expensive. So I, my standard of what I need is very, very low. So I can take all these huge risks and do this. But I was like, if I had a family, I would not want to put them through what I'm going, what I go through on a daily basis that, you know, nobody else deserves to, to be around me like that. You know what I mean? So, so hopefully it all, you know, it's, it's all working out. And I, I really feel like I've started to crest that hump of, of sheer daily misery into like being able to enjoy things a little bit more, but you don't wake up and go to the Super Bowl the next day. You spend a whole lifetime just, just to have that opportunity. And you, you know, most people don't ever get there, you know? So. Yeah. But you were, you were willing to pay the price in advance. You know, you were willing to suffer in advance and you had this story you're telling yourself is like, Hey, maybe I'm not the smartest. Maybe I'm not the most talented, but like, I don't quit. I'm in this for the long haul. And, you know, regardless of how many people are showing up and acting like they're going to do this, like, I know this is about myself. I don't stop. And, uh, it, it pays off, you know? And like you mentioned, sometimes life happens for people. They course correct, you know, where your injury maybe in the military, you know, that happened and puts you in a different direction. 
that happens to people in business where you're moving forward and you're like continuing to press on and something in their life happens and puts them in a different direction. And so it kind of goes into this like war of attrition, so to speak, when you are pursuing something. But I yeah. think the, the important part that you highlighted was the ability to suffer, the, will, the ability to pay the price. And I wrote down a note that said, you know, there's what you said. There's no replacement for suffering when it's required to win, essentially, is what you said in there. You know, there's no replacement for it. So you have to be willing yeah. to do it and endure and, and push through. Did you have thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah, it's just, that's just the, the reality of it. There's, there's no motivational speech that's going to replace that. You know, you got you to gotta go for it. But I was talking to my buddy about this the other day. He's, a, he's an administrator, a superintendent at an um, elementary school, like a K-8 country elementary school super you know hardworking guy and and, and uh i don't I, I never myself i try not to never brag to anybody about anything but if, if somebody that i care about asks me a question i will very genuinely answer it I, I don't necessarily do that for everybody because i don't let everybody in but he was he was talking about like my you know my business stuff and you know it, it's going well um he's like oh, I, I you know i really i want to do something like that and, and it just, i was like i was like bro dude we're not even on the same wavelength at all you have a wife and a kid you're one of the more badass administrators i've come across like you're not soft at all you're you're i think you do an excellent job you can i can tell you've got the personality you're very genuinely doing it for the right reasons because you love these kids yeah that's no less badass than what i'm doing i couldn't do your i couldn't do your job like i'm a cowboy i I cannot i i can't just follow rules because that's what they are. And like, if you got the guts to be able to, to stick that out and to do what's right for these kids and your family, that's no less incredible than what I'm trying to do. But like I said, I'm, you know, I'm just, that's my disposition. You know, I'm a cowboy and I'm built for, for gunslinging, you know, and that's, that's what's led me down my path. You know, the, you know, there's two reasons why I started the business that I am now. It's because I, I generally want to solve this problem. I think it's the right thing to do. And by doing that, I have, I'm fulfilling the purpose that I'm trying to seek with my life. But the other part of it is like, I want to farm, you know, I, I want to be able to farm and actually not even necessarily make a living, but not lose my ass doing it. That's the life I've always wanted to live. So if I can make just enough money to do that someday with my dad, and if someday if I have a family, I want to raise my kids on a farm, then I'm going to be able to do that. And it's not like I, I myself have taken some, crazy path to get there. It's like that that's the only viable path I've seen that that will get me to those two things. Yeah. Is by doing what I'm doing. So it's, you know, it would be more di- difficult for me, more incredible for me if I were to go and try and work my way up a corporate ladder somewhere, because that would be thorough torture. You know, getting my MBA was torture. I look I, I said this to myself from the start. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, I had fun. I met I met a lot of people there, but we we talked about it. You know, I wanted to quit so bad because because I, I hated the day-to-day of sitting in class, doing PowerPoints, talking about solving problems, but not really solving problems, the learning part of it. But I, and I can't remember if I told you this originally, but I looked at it, to me, MBA school, from my perspective, it was, it was the white-collar ranger school. Yeah. Right? You know, and obviously the attrition rates are way different, blah, 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 you can say whatever you want. And it's not, sure. you know, for a lot of people, not nearly as hard. But from my perspective, I knew if I gutted through this thing, for two years, no matter what happened, I would leave on the other side of it better than when I came in. And I would, you know, I'd have this tab that I could put in my pocket. I know I did it. 
I don't care if somebody else knows I did it, but I know that I did it and I'm better for it. And so that was, you know, that was just for me, one of my reasons. And and that was, I was probably the only one there that had that reason for doing that, but that's completely fine because everybody had their own calling. They were trying to fulfill their own purpose for whatever reason. Yeah. But you know, guys, are you listening to this? What he said was, you know, I, I pursued it because I knew I was going to be better for it and I stuck it out. You know, a lot of people don't have that commitment to things they're doing. And maybe it is, um, you know, that you're not, you're the nine to five job that you're doing. Like those, those things that you're pursuing, like don't get seduced by somebody else's path, man, because you need to stay honest and true to what you're doing. You need to stay dialed in. And that's one of the things that's going to separate you from everybody else in your journey as well. Cause everybody else gets distracted. They look at a business owner or they say, Oh, I want to do what you're doing. Or maybe they look at the, the latest trend on social media and they're like, Oh, I can be a millionaire in six months. Let me chase that. And it's like, no man, like, like go inward, focus on you, be ready, be committed to the thing you're going to do and, and detach yourself from everybody else's expectation. Right. And just, and just continue to press forward. Like you're talking about. And I love the analogy and the comparison with, you know, getting your MBA and kind of Ranger school and what it meant to you. It's not about like showing everybody else. It was about, you know, you accomplishing something, setting out to do something, and you knew that you were going to be better for it at the back end. And, wanna, and like, right. and like you said, it, and that's my perspective. Right. You know, I'm, I've been, one of the reasons I've been very, very successful at what I try to do is because I block out other people's expectations of me. I yeah. like to, you know, for people I care about, I want to hear what they have to say for, for a random customer in a store that has feedback on our product. Of course, I want to hear what they have to say. But I really don't, I don't fucking care if people think what I'm doing is, is stupid. I don't, I don't care if people don't understand why I'm doing. If people think I'm impulsive, I don't care. I just think way faster than, than people can process the information that I'm processing in my given realm. Get them. You know, so it's like, so, so yeah, I've, I've very much distinctly outlined how I want to be. And I've, and I've stayed the course, even though I've wanted to quit daily, usually, yeah. um, but I, but I, you know, I, I set the course and I've, I've stuck to it without quitting and success is, is not guaranteed whatsoever at this point, not even close. Um, I'm still poor, you know, <laughs> you know, we still, even though I, we've prevented a lot of fruit from getting thrown out, it's not even a tick on the, the elephant's butt crack of, of the, the scope of the issue that I, that I really genuinely want to solve. So, you know, despite success, you, you still got to run the play and continue to block out. I can't tell you how many people, every single person I talked to, except for like two, thought the name of the ugly company was stupid. <laughs> They're like, that's never gonna work. And I was like, yeah, Roger that, why? You know, what, or I would just not care. I can't tell you how many people said, oh, you should name it this, you should do this. And I was having trouble making decisions when I was listening to all these other people that know nothing about farming. They, they haven't sat there and looked at fruit getting yeah. tossed out for 20 or 30 years like I had no concept for it and it's like oh you want to hear what i have to say for 15 seconds and you're probably not even listening to me you're just formulating a response and then you expect me to listen to you i'm not gonna listen to you i don't care if everybody judges me because i'm dirty all the time you know like you know like because i have an old crappy truck or you know like i don't care so just, i'm just running the play as best i see possible and then we'll see at the other side if it was if it was the right thing to do or not well, and it's turning out, it, it's turned out that it is. And it's, you got, you know, like you mentioned, it's success is a moving target. You, you're seeing a global issue that you're fixing. And so you feel like it's day one, but you're going to continue to feel like that until you hang it up. And it's, it's, it's always going to feel like day one. So I want to kind of close up with uh, the more, a little bit more on mental health. And then uh, I want to kind of know a little bit more about where you're going 
and then we can, we can wrap it up and you and I, we could literally talk for four hours, six hours, probably a whole day. In fact, we've done it, um, <laughs> multiple times. Um, so, but I do want to kind of make sure that we, we close up with that stuff. And if there's anything else that I'm missing that the audience should, should know, or should hear about, uh, just jump yeah, in. yeah. I guess the really the last thing I would like to touch on with, with mental health, I have went through a phase of the more I've accomplished or the, maybe the more successful I've been or the more down this path I go, the lonelier I've gotten to where I have very, very hard time relating to a lot of people about anything, Yeah, you know? And, and so that has, has been very difficult, very, very lonely. But I guess my advice to those, to anybody that has a similar struggle would be to, you have to have somebody that you can be open with, or maybe a, a, a group of people that you can be open with completely in, in each own, you know, fill the puzzle with those people or whatever. Um, that, one thing with you that's been very helpful is you know i can talk to you whenever i need to and it's very valuable for me to just have that reassurance because every time we talk i feel better you know and i always feel like i don't care what we talk about if we're talking about your dog's nutsack or like some crazy (laughs) thing you're doing or or whatever it may be we always end up kind of being serious about something and like i said in a lot of your your, a lot of your theories and stuff i I don't like or whatever that is not you know not that you're wrong (laughs) that it's not right for me right um but it, it really helps to have you. Uh, and if I had nobody, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to make it continue to go. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, you just gotta, gotta acknowledge where you're at. Realize that if you do go down a path uh, similar to me, it's going to be a very challenging path and whatever it may be, maybe you are the, the high school administrator or the, the middle school superintendent. That's a, that's a renegade in your own realm. Yeah. And you're going to isolate yourself through that success. Gotta have somebody that, that you can, you can open up to you. Yeah. Be the all-star in your field, no matter where you're at, whether you're the entrepreneur, whether you're, you know, an entrepreneur, right. Working inside of another business. That's like one of the most undervalued things that you can do in life is help, you know, assist in the growth of something phenomenal and um, finding people that are willing to be an entrepreneur and help the business from the inside out. Like those people are special type. Those are special type of warriors. And so no matter what type you are, you know, I like what you said is find somebody. Um, I did a, I know you're not much on much on social media, it, but I did a video on running with the right pack. Coincidentally, yesterday I was talking about how I used to think that going at it alone was a solution. I thought that like, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand people. And so I just like, all right, I'm gonna put my head down and do the work. And what I found through trial and error is that there's a couple other people out there, not a whole lot of them, but there are people out there that are just like you that think like you just got to find them along the way. And instead of doing things alone, join the right pack. And um, coincidentally, I was running with, you know, Kuda and Kiba out there. And so it was course, big, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Swiggle balls dragging through the snow or whatever you got going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kuda, <laughs> guys, Kuda's not like a human being. He's my dog, if you didn't pick up on that. And uh, he has an enormous, he has enormous anatomy. <laughs> yeah. It's the size of, size of your arm, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's built, he's, oh man, he's built like he just got out of prison. Like he is. Yeah. He's, yeah he's, 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 prison, he's prison strong for sure. <laughs> But he's so soft, man. He just He's a cuddly dog. Oh, he's a goof. Yeah, he's, he's a total goof. All right. Um, well, um, okay, so your, your advice for somebody going through a difficult time trying to succeed in their field is essentially, um, you know, put your head down, do the work, um, go inward, understand yourself, stay focused, but also make sure that you're looking for the right pack and have at least one person, if not the pack that you can lean on from time to time because you're going to need it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, to obviously never quit. If you decide on a path, you, you don't quit and you will get, you know, businesses, 
don't fail because of a decision or whatever businesses fail because you know the lead dog quits mm. like finally throws in the towel for whatever re- you know, whatever reason that may be but a business is never going to go under until you let it go under and maybe there's you know maybe there's a time and a place to just like all right i'm gonna have to change what i'm doing or something but there was a lot of times i really really wanted to quit and i'm obviously very glad i did it but like i said if if there was one thing i wish i could improve in my life today would be that i could appreciate things more and and still have that same nasty grinding work ethic but to be able to just enjoy the process more than i do you know yeah. so you know we shall see you know <laughs> yeah well you know it's there's there's more life to live and then tons of lessons ahead so um it's gonna be you know a fun journey and um so tell me so tell us briefly about where you're going as an individual as a company kind of like what the future entails what you're excited about and then um tell people where they can they can find you those two things right there yeah so as far as our company we'll we'll we i hope to be in the next six months is, is really ramp up distribution we have uh, a lot of distribution especially in whole foods uh, in southern california we have you know pocketed distribution nationally but for us the name of the game right now is okay we figured out the product we figure out the brand we've really we're not perfect but we're getting really good at communicating our message and our brand uh, so now it's like let's ramp up hit the gas pedal and let's get this product out there in front of more people. So by doing that, our company can grow, but you know, every bag we sell is gonna prevent at least a pound of fruit from being thrown out. So the formula is simple, the more we can sell, the closer we can get to solving this problem here in Central California. My long-term vision, I would like, you know, I want the ugly company to be a leader in the field of, of preventing food waste at farms globally. Uh, I think we've really positioned ourselves to get there someday. And there's no reason that once we're getting this nailed down here and, and my turf, that we can't start figuring out, you know, bananas in South America or, or in Asia or whatever it may be, or, you know, jumping over to South Africa. And because, you know, I haven't been to every farm in the world, obviously, but every farm I've been to is, you know, we all have the same issues depending on the crop of like, and even since I've started doing this, people call me all the time from Idaho. Hey, I've got, 80 tons of sweet corn a day that I'm throwing out. Can you do anything with it? I was like, well, I wish I could. <laughs> I know you're not the only one, but I don't know anything about corn yet, you know? Uh, or I got melons in El Centro that we just leave in the field by the, you know, by the thousands because we have nothing to do with it, whatever. So, so I know the problem is very global. I know that we grow enough food on this planet to feed everybody on the planet. It's just not getting to the end point. So I have a, you know, I didn't start the company as a nonprofit because I, I knew it. You know, I've seen nonprofits do stuff like this and they just don't have the reach, the scale that I, that I want to achieve. And so I want this company to, to really be able to build out that arm of it that we haven't been able to do as much as I would like to this point to be able to get our food in, in as disaster relief food or help support whatever organizations are doing uh, work in that field. And, and on my end, you know, I've, I've, I don't know with me if my role and it, it doesn't really it doesn't matter yet at this point. But I don't know if my role is, am I going to carry the torch till the day I die? Or am I going to carry the torch long enough to pass it off to somebody that can do a better job so I can just go back to farming, you know, and, and kind of doing what I'm really bred to do. But, but the thing is, I mean, you know, if I ever get to that point, that would be a great problem to have a great decision to make. But like I said, for now, it's just continue to grow, spread the message. As far as where you can you find us, if you're in Southern California, we're going to be in all the Whole Foods there and, and a bunch of the other independent grocery stores down there. 
you can go to our website. It's the ugly dot company. It's dot company, not dot com because we're, you know, too poor to afford the dot com there. But uh, so, yeah, it's the ugly dot company. And uh, we have a map on our homepage that shows every store that we're physically in. Uh, but the beauty of it is we have our order fulfillment. And oftentimes I'm the one still packing the bags. Not not as much anymore, but, you know, I'll write you a nice little note if you'd like. But, yeah, we, you can anywhere in the United States, we can you can order on our website and we can ship it out to you. Um, and there's also a handful of other ways you can find us, but those are the, the two easiest, you know, whether in store or go on our website. Absolutely. And, uh, guys, ladies and gentlemen, awesome, awesome, incredible episode today. You know, we talked about a lot. We talk, talked about the ebbs and flows of success. We talked about, um, you know, mental health. We talked about resilience. We talked about developing a no quit attitude, people that win, people that fail. And we talked about innovation, you know, being creative and kind of logically solving your way through a problem. And uh, also, you know, just stay in the course along the way. So, you know, if you find value in today's episode, make sure you share it with a friend. Okay. This is an important one because as you can tell, this is going to be, this is a global mission, right? We're trying to change the entire world here. The ugly company is doing a phenomenal job They're um, They've got a great foundation built They're They've already spread their message. They've already spread their company and now it needs to spread a little bit further. So we need your help. So if you've laughed, if you've learned, if you just found, you know, this entertaining, share it with a friend that you're like, Hey man, this is a cool episode. This is what I learned. Check it out and just send it over to him. Okay. So that's what I ask. And, uh, you can always tag me and buy yourself some of the ugly company fruit, man. That's uh, really good. I have some in the kitchen right now. And, uh, the peaches are my, my favorite, but have you tried the white nectarines though. So we got a new product out there. Oh, I got to get that one. I got to get All right, that. Yeah, right. That's what we just got that. It's on shelves now very recently. And, uh, it might change your mind about the peaches because the peaches were my favorite and now we got the white nectarines and you know, they might be my favorite now too. I don't know. Well, I'm ordering some today then. Hell yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, wow. hey, I really appreciate you uh, solving for, you know, bringing me on. It's, I mean, it's been great to catch up. This is the best catch up we've had in, in quite a while because we're both so busy. Usually they're five or 10 minute phone calls, but this has been awesome for, for me. You know, we went through a full range of, of things that I haven't really shared with a lot of people because people don't generally ask those questions. Um, so I hope, help provide some tangible benefit to people that follow you and that, you know, are, are trying to improve in life or however it may be. Plus I also appreciate, you know, whoever's tuning in um, and is all interested in our company. And uh, this has been a really great time. So I appreciate it. Hell yeah. All right, Ben. Well, it's great having you guys. I I'm, I'm going to digest today's call in detail myself, pull away my own personal practical Senior. tools. I know you found value in it. So again, please share it with a friend and, power. um, Take the lessons and just go execute. It's time to go act and time to go in. Until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it.